This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another episode of the Oil and Gas Startups. Got a cool episode today. Someone that I've... Uh, I'd like to call you a good friend. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've met a couple of times now and really just uh, like this guy. Uh, Jim Fisher from Oracle. Jim, appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Absolutely. Great great to be here and thank you. Yeah. So we, uh, how do we get introduced? We got introduced to uh, Kevin Rowe, right? Okay. So Kevin's also at Oracle, which uh, Kevin, you know, it's funny, at Digital Wildcatter's office, you just never know who's passing through <laughs> here. And uh Kurt Coburn is friends with Kevin and had invited him to our office. And so me and Kevin just spent two hours one day just randomly <laughs> chatting and, and hit it off. And so anyways, Oracle, so far, my experience with Oracle is that you guys got some badass guys huh, on the team. So you're batting a thousand right now. <laughs> but, I appreciate that. Yeah. But tell me real quick, you know, the reason I wanted to get y'all on the show was, um, you know, Oracle actually has a cloud infrastructure that they're building, OCI. Oracle cloud infrastructure. And when Kevin told me that, you know, I wasn't even aware that Oracle had cloud, you know, you always hear about AWS, you hear about Azure. Yep. And so that kind of took me by surprise. And then he told me what y'all were doing in energy. So why don't you tell me just a like real quick, you know, high level overview of what you guys are, are doing over at Oracle at, with the cloud? Yeah, absolutely. I always tell everybody it's one of the best kept secrets in the industry about cloud infrastructure. <laughs> uh, you know, so we're on generation two of our cloud, which is really unique in the sense that, you know, bigger companies, not to be named, you know, they built out their cloud a few years ago and they're, they're, they're kind of stuck with what they've built out. And, and Oracle's done a, a reinvestment over time. And, and now the, the cloud infrastructure we're building up gen two is just, uh, you know, second to none. So performance, scalability, security, and all that stuff is just top notch in it. Um, but one of the things we try to focus on is just, you know, there's tr traditional things you do with cloud infrastructure. You know, you're, you're getting out of a data center or... Um, you're just trying to rationalize your footprint when it comes to carbon zero or something. What we also have is focus on the oil and gas. The energy part is where you and I kind of started talking and getting yeah. connected, where we do a lot of uh, development work kind of focused on outcomes. So you put a lot of data into the cloud, you run a lot of applications on top of it, but you're trying to build to an outcome. It's like, what do I want to get to? Is it pipeline integrity? Is it more production? Is it this or is it that? So really the biggest part of our business is moving all that to the cloud, you know, traditional type business, they call them lift and shifts and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But what we're really trying to focus on here is how do we bring more value from other providers uh, that they would bring and just say, hey, we can help you work towards a, a means to an end, one part of our business. And the other ones, which you'd mentioned too, I think when you spent time with Kevin, he probably talked to you a lot about our, our uh, high performance computing side of our business. Yeah. Um, as you you know, this industry as well as I do, Colin, you've been around, but when you start getting into seismic data and the number of passes you can make, the complexity of it and the, the cost to do that and the time to do that, if you can shorten all those, that's huge, right? Yeah, the, the amount of compute that we have in this industry, I mean, those data sets, especially for subs, uh, seismic, uh, subsurface seismic are huge. And, you know, it's funny, Chuck tells a story, I can't remember uh, who, who did this, but um, he held this uh, seminar, this talk at a university, and the this isn't verbatim, but the original talk was um, evaluating subsurface seismic. And yep. he said like three college kids showed up. <laughs> three months later, he goes back and titles it, Using Machine Learning to Analyze Subsurface Seismic. He said, pack the room. And I don't think a lot of uh, uh, 
the younger generation and people outside of oil and gas realize just, you know, how technical this industry is yeah. and how much compute is involved. And, you know, talking to Kevin, it sounds like, um, you know, I know um, y'all have a uh, partnership with NVIDIA and really, you know, using their GPUs and focusing on <clears throat> machine learning applications and things of that nature. And this, uh, you know, you look at all the applications of like real world things, applications that, that are actually doing things in the oil and gas industry is, I mean, a great industry oh, for those. It's unbelievable right now. I think the, the pace at which things are moving, it's interesting you mentioned about, you know, did a, did a session on subsurface data and three people and called <laughs> AIML and you packed the room. It's so true in our business too. Um, it's all about the naming and the labeling, but every discussion we have with every customer in the oil and gas sector, you know, it's, it's about um, data, it's about machine learning, it's about artificial intelligence and how yeah. do we leverage that and do more with less. Um, because, you know, there's so much data out there, like you said, there's just hordes and hordes of data that these companies have been sitting on. A lot of it, they haven't had time or a lot of them they haven't, haven't had the ability to actually access and, and, and run these uh, algorithms on it. So yeah. yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable right now. Yeah, the pace. and I mean, you're an oil and gas guy by background as well. Long time, Slumberger, I believe. Um, you're actually in the in the in Waterline, weren't you? I was, yeah. So I, uh, I'm petroleum engineer by trade. Okay. So um, yeah, when I graduated college, I went to work for Schlumberger. Where did you graduate from? I went to West Virginia University. Oh, nice. Cool. Awesome. Shout out to my mountaineer. Yeah, right? yeah. Love <laughs> so, West Virginia. It's yeah, a good well, place. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It was interesting. It uh, sidebar story, but it's. Uh, yeah, I was looking at uh, petroleum engineering and mining engineering. Yeah. And uh, my my grandfather took me underground, uh, and, and it's like, yeah, I don't want to work underground. You, you know, so oh, uh, I want to hear. I no, I want to hear about that. I yeah. mean, did you come from a family of coal miners? Uh, my grandfather was a coal miner. There, there's a lot of other coal miners, and even on my my wife's side of the family now, um, you know, coal mining was in their blood. So that's that, awesome. that whole Appalachian region, as you would expect. Yeah. But it just wasn't a place that I thought I'd want to work. No, you know, you know so. um, always. You know, obviously I come from uh, oil field background and roughnecking, but I always have a lot of respect for coal miners yeah. because I'm like, man, like roughnecking's hard, but coal mining yeah. looks even worse than uh, roughnecking does. And uh, did you ever see the movie October Sky? I did. Yeah, yeah. love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. But, um, you know, you just kind of get like a sense of like, yeah, this is really shitty work. It <laughs> sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, uh, I, I, I think that that was pretty easy logic for you to come to like, man, I don't know if I want to go oh, yeah. work in a coal mine. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny too. The timing was, uh, what, 84 ish, 85. I can't yeah. remember exactly. And, and the industry is one of the typical downturns, right? So, yeah. you know, going into petroleum engineering at that time, you'd really start to question your sanity. It's like, is this really the smartest thing to do? You're actually so, one of the few, you know, there's, uh, there's this chart that always sticks out in my mind and it's a bimodal graph of petroleum engineering graduates. And, you know, you had this, um, you had this big spike, um, in the early eighties and then with the crash, I mean, yeah. just dipped down and, you know, no one got into petroleum engineering in the nineties, late eighties and nineties. Yep. And then, you know, leading up to shale, you yep. started seeing it climb up again. Yeah. And so, uh, you're probably, you know, small, small handful of people that was actually pursuing a, a, a degree in petroleum engineering. Well, it was interesting at, at West Virginia, we used to, I'm told the graduate, you know, hundred uh, petroleum engineers a year. My graduating class was seven yes. <laughs> and, and six of them went to work for Schlumberger and one of them went to work for Halliburton. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, it's all on the services side. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's the hard data right there. Like that, that you were just part of a very small, uh, class. And so that's interesting to hear because we talk about the great crew change a lot and just, you know, boomers and millennials and just not a lot of Gen Xers in the industry. And so, um, you know, I'm 
it was a good contrarian play, you know? Oh yeah. That's when you want to be going to school for petroleum <laughs> engineering. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, supply, supply and demand, but, uh, so you get out and then, uh, once the summer day, uh, directly out of there, what, where, where did you go and what did you do? Yeah. So, uh, wireline engineer, I think like yourself, I went yeah. to East Texas. Uh, nice. Um, actually not a little town. It's a great town. You've been up to Tyler, Texas. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's where I started. And that's just, not uh, a bad place to do some really nice. right. There's much worse places Absolutely. in the world to, to, to live. And so, um, so you're out in the field running, running a truck, running crews, uh, cool. started out in open hole. Um, cool. so, you know, um, then moved to a case hole and did a little bit of, uh, pressure testing and type of work like that. Nice. Um, when you're doing open hole, was that mainly logging or were you doing pipe recovery? It was all logging. All and, logging. Uh, yeah. it's interesting talking about seismic. I remember, you know, my experience to seismic was I was sitting on, you know, we'd, uh, lower sensors into the well and thumper crews would come in. You just sit there for days yeah. and just gather data. Yeah. And that's like, is this really scientific? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just stay another three or four days. You're fine. You yeah. Know? So, but, but yeah, I never knew. It's much more scientific than how we drill water wells out in West Texas. You just get a, uh, a witcher and you know, your little <laughs> things. And I'm like, so you really saw that. I've seen it work. <laughs> it I've seen it work. So um, if you can't, if it works, it works. But uh, yeah, it's not a very scientific method. So at least when we use thumper trucks, oh, stuff, yeah. it looks it looks like it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you go run wireline, and then I mean, it sounds like you built a pretty long uh, career out of uh, out of Slumberjay. So kind of tell me about the progression. Uh, yeah, it, Slumberjay back then, you know, they had a, a, a pretty big company in the sense that oil and gas, and they also had some other things under what they called resource management. And that was their whole um, electricity, water and gas uh, division. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I spent 10 years just in the oil field side. And, uh, you know, you and I were chatting uh, earlier about different states and complexities of speed limits and the fun of those. And uh, so, yeah, I traveled pretty much all around different districts, New Mexico, Louisiana, Texas, uh, Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, even did a stint back up in the Northeast um, for some of the, the work. There were actually activity in Indiana and Illinois, which I never knew about uh, yeah. initially, but yeah. they, they were pretty busy. Those are time. actually some of the only like Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and uh, Kansas, are, like the only places in the U.S. that I haven't got to like, go be yeah. on the ground. But I mean, there's quite a bit of mom and pop operators in those in those places and you know making they're not banger wells like they no. are on the permium but they're profitable they're, wells they're profitable. yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah so then you know fast forward to uh you know about 10 years in that part of the oil business was slumberjay and you know i think you and i chatted a little bit on just uh the up up dicks and the downturns it was just time to do something a little bit different but slumberjay had a uh, what they called their resource management group so i, I moved over to there and that's when i kind of went into what uh, they sell into utilities. So electricity, water, gas meters, meter reading software, uh, networking, so you could read meters. That that was kind of that business under Schlumberger. Okay. Um, and they, they kept it for another, I don't know, five, six years. And they, fi they finally sold it off. Um, it wasn't core to their business. Kind yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so they so sold it off. Yeah. I didn't know they did those, those types of things. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people had no idea. Um, so when they sold it off, I just stayed uh, when, when it was sold off. I'm going to put you on the hot party. seat real quick. Please do. I just had something come, yep. come to mind. What do you think of the new name and branding? You know, going from iconic Slumberjay to SLB. <laughs> I want your I want your hot take on this. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think we might have talked a little bit. Just I, right. No, I'm trying to get I them as a client. I can't. <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> I remember when they went from the uh, boxed rectangle type uh, logo from yeah. Slumberjay, and it just looked. I forget the font, but they just took the name Slumberjay yeah, out. The, yeah, and and the whole concept was, and I'm using air quotes, right? Is a hey, we're out of the box now. You know, it's oh, kind of really? like yeah. It's <laughs> like oh, okay. 
So yeah. I saw this one and I'm like, so you had the big Schlumberger. Now, now we're just going to reduce it to SLB now. So Yeah. You know what's so funny though is um, design is funny because things come back into style. Absolutely. Over yep. long enough period of time. You know, you look at, have you ever, uh, do you know Comstock Resources logo? I do. Oh, I don't know the logo. Oh, the, let yeah. me, hold on. Let me pull this up and uh, show it to you real quick. And if you're at home listening to this, you have to... Uh, need to go google comstock's logo because it's so funny to me because this thing looks like do you remember the computer game oregon trail this oh, looks yeah. like oh yep i, I mean this looks like a logo from <laughs> late 80s it early does. 90s and they just they've just kept it over time but the thing <laughs> is is like it's kind of coming back into yeah. into style and into fashion um because a lot of companies are taking away actual design elements of their logos and just going to simplified words like yep. SLB yep. where I'm like, man, I would love to the old like bring back the old school yeah. box Lumberjay logo. Um, I think the old school is kind of kind of getting cool again. So I do too. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll leave it. Jim didn't give his official opinion <laughs> on it, but well, he likes the box logo. That's what I took away I, from that. That's so, your takeaway. So how did you uh was there anything between Slumberger and Oracle or did you go did you go to Oracle from there? Uh no. So it was the divestiture of the Slumberger uh, part of the business and utilities like oh, gotcha. water and gas. Okay. So a company purchased them called Itron. Um they were kind of a very focused on the utility technology group out of Pacific Northwest. Uh so they purchased the assets and they stayed with them for about uh gosh, probably eight years. Okay. And, and then uh, sales and marketing and business development, stuff like that. And then uh, left them and, you know, I was going to be a millionaire. So I went to a startup, right? Yeah. That's, that's how you become <laughs> a millionaire, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. It's <laughs> <That makes sense. laughs> the, the only logical uh, exactly. uh, thing that happens when you go to a startup. That's right. So <laughs> I, I did about an 18 month startup with a company and, uh, you know, we, we did well at first and then things kind of slowed down. So uh, at the end of that 18 months, I went to work for Siemens, you know, massive company. So yeah. that's a logical step, right? You go to yeah. work for a startup where there's very few people and worried about paychecks and stuff. You yeah. just go to a massively big company yeah. where, uh, like Siemens, you know, 350,000 yeah. security. You're like, yeah, Absolutely. Yep. screw the, screw the startup life. I'm going. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I did that. Trust for me, I feel like year. that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of your resume. Call it. <laughs> uh, and then left, uh, Siemens and went to work for Oracle after that. Cool. So it's been about four years with Oracle. Nice. Yeah, you know, Oracle's um, Oracle's an interesting company to me because, um, you know, it, it's a giant in the in the tech industry, you know, one of the OGs in tech. But when you look at it from, you know, let's say a technical innovation yeah. uh, perspective, you know, maybe it's not as sexy as other companies are. But, you know, like when I talked to Kevin about the things that children are building out, um, and these high performance, uh, networks, I'm like, oh, this is super cool stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, the types of companies that y'all are working with are, are really cool as well. Um, so tell me kind of about that, you know, from Oracle kind of going from this traditional enterprise database, uh, provider for, you know, massive enterprises to saying, Hey, we want to build out this high performance, uh, GPU network for machine learning applications. I mean, that seems kind of like a fundamental shift in the thinking for me outside looking in, you know, how, how do y'all think about that? No, it's actually a great question and even better observation because what one thing Oracle was really good at, you just outlined all the things that Oracle's been solid at, performing at and delivering. And, and one of the ways the company invests in thinking about it is where is the future going, right? Mm -hmm. um, so as you're bringing along all those applications and the database and that type of technology, 
Um, the next logical step is what we're seeing today, right? <clears throat> we were talking about AI and ML and the whole analytics platform on top of it. How do you leverage legacy stuff? So it was a natural fit for us to take what we have installed from a base standpoint, leverage that information and, and take it to the next logical step. And, and you know, a lot of it's just, um, you know, forward thinking. Some people within Oracle, a lot higher than me, are actually looking at the market where it's going and doing these cool things around GPUs yeah. and and all, all the, the focus around AI and ML. Um, seen some some of the stuff that we've been doing, like construction engineering. There's a group within Oracle, but you know that you can go out and start wearing smart glasses and with video on it and be able to find out. You know, you don't have your hard hat on. Those don't look like uh, steel-toed shoes. You know, your gloves aren't or PPE. Yeah, you know, one time I was uh, I was out on Shell Perdido out in the Gulf, and I was with uh, Shell's R and D team from the Netherlands, and we were running this downhole tool that they made. I was helping them run it, and one of the um, scientists. He had on Google Glasses, and this is back in like 2015. Yeah, like when Google Glasses. I mean, you couldn't just the public couldn't get them. And I was talking to him like, "Hey, you look like a nerd. Why are you wearing this?" And uh, <laughs> they're talking like, about you know. yeah, they're talking about I mean, augmented reality and the applications that they could use on an offshore rig. Like, hey, you're looking at this tool, and uh, you know how rig hands are. Like, one comes up to me, he's like, "Hey, I heard they can see through your clothes and see your ass with those glasses." <laughs> <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Anyways, um, but it is funny to see like, you know, back then, you know, what, six to eight years ago, I mean, that was kind of pie in the sky thinking, hey, you see things are going that way, but now we actually have the infrastructure to start enabling those things to to actually work. And part of that is, I mean, just the, the compute um, it is. behind it. Yeah. Yeah, and even within Oracle, you talk, there's there's a group, uh, IoT, Internet of Things, which you know has been trendy for a while. But you think about that part of an organization in any company, um, they're they're all looking at edge devices, bringing back data, or making decisions at the edge, not necessarily always bringing it back. So yeah, all that takes some type of computation. It takes some type of networking. Takes some type of speed, and that whole part of the industry, in my opinion, is just you know that that's where it is. And and, and to your question earlier, that's Oracle's looked at. We've had all this foundation for years. Mm -hmm. How do we leverage that? And that's what yeah. we're seeing today with some of the things we're doing. Do y'all do anything around edge uh, computing? We, we, we do. Um, so we, we do a lot more around. We've got some, um, and I've, I'm drawing a blank on the name, so I'll get chastised by this by somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, it, it's it's Rover or, or something like that. But it's a lot of work yeah. that we do on offshore rigs. So it, it gotcha. allows for connectivity, allows for data gathering. And yeah, because that's what's actually processing. really interesting to me. Um, you know, actually, John Calfan, who's on our on our team, um, came over from a startup that was focused on uh, hardware for edge computing. And I was really started thinking about the evolution of um, servers, really, because you went from on-premise. And when we started this podcast back in, it's even that long ago, it was 2018, four and a half years ago. I mean, a lot of oil and gas companies still weren't putting anything in the cloud, all on-prem servers. And then you move to the cloud, but then you start saying like, oh, actually we have a lot of computational needs on site. And so now it starts moving back to like on-prem, but edge uh, computing. And so seeing like this evolution of where, um, you know, the computers actually sit is super fascinating to me because, um, and there's not a, <clears throat> you know, it's not a one and only approach yeah. either, you know? Um, like there's some stuff that can go up to the cloud, but maybe there's some critical real-time data that you need on a frack job or a drilling rig that you need to be processing right there on site. And so, you know, it's funny. I had a, um, 
And a guy messaged me on Twitter the other day, and I don't know who he is. He's Anon, but he told me that he spent his entire career in oil and gas, and uh, now he's in uh, he's in the cloud business. Actually, it might be you. Jim's um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, tra- we're, we're I'm we tracking you. This. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was just talking to me in messages, and he's like, it's crazy. He's like, one, it's crazy being out of oil and gas. He's like, I love oil and gas. It's in my blood, so I miss it. But he's like, it's weird being in this industry that has all this tailwind. He's like, because the demand for um, uh, for compute is insatiable. He's like, I just can't, it's like, it seems like it's never going to end. There's just so much demand. And um, what we're doing in AI and machine learning is just, you know, making that problem, you know, exponentially worse. That, And so that's, um, you know, I, I was, sorry for going on a long rant here. I'm dumping a lot of thoughts on you, but um, it's something that I'm really interested in. I was sitting at a table with, people way smarter than me, uh, Chase, who's the CEO of Crusoe Energy, which is doing um, Bitcoin mining and cloud computing services off of their servers. And then um, another guy who's from MIT, and he's an uh, expert in zero-proof uh, knowledge technology and talking to these guys about the future of decentralized uh, servers. And you know, I'm not talking to them. I'm, I'm absorbing <laughs> and I'm listening because yep. they're much smarter than I am. But it's just a fascinating space because you have the big players you know like oracle but then you have smaller guys that are building decentralized and and it's almost like you can't even compete with each other because there's so much demand that the pie is just the pie is just so big right and so you know as y'all move forward um as a company in the let's talk about energy specifically you know what are who are y'all looking to work with in the energy industry? What applications um, do y'all think y'all best serve? Kind of give me some insight on, yeah. on that. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And maybe go back a little bit to one of your comments on the whole decentralized piece, because I think it's spot on. One of the things that we originally faced uh, with, within, especially the oil and gas, you talk about some things can go to the cloud, some need to remain on premise. But really that that whole architecture that, that you design and lay out is the most critical step, right? Because there's there's latency between data, there's latency between systems. And it's just understanding that and, and spending the time to map it out, draw it out, and work through that. Because to your point, then you get to a hybrid model where things that need to go to the cloud go to the cloud, things that don't. But now there's efficiencies built in mm-hmm. and, and they're deliberate decisions, right? It's not just it's the only way it works. It's 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 logical. It's yeah. the right path. Yeah. Um, but we spend a lot of time with that. I think that's critical. Um, so, but one of the things we're trying to look and work with are, are some of the, the smaller startups or, or some of the companies that are looking for those those outcomes that's going to change their business dramatically. And and I don't have one, or I would tell you what it is today, but I have ones in other industry where we do things and. Um, like, like utility vertical, we do vegetation management. So we build applications, pulling in satellite data for growth of trees that go over lo- uh, power lines, you know. So it used to be traditionally utilities go out and just drive and look and say, oh, we need to cut here next year and put it on a list and go do it. Now you do this all remote. You pull in satellite data, you do drone data, you do all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. And I think there's lots of that for the companies in the oil and gas. I start thinking about pipeline integrity. I start thinking about security of systems. I start thinking about in the refineries become more of like just a smart city to me on on how the data, you've got dashboards, you've got information coming back. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've really, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg on those yet. We need to spend more time with companies that, hey, I know how to do these things, but what I don't have is the foundational data underpinning. And that's where Oracle come in with cloud infrastructure and, and we'll probably have databases of some sort at that customer just because we've had so much of that market for so many years. Yeah, you already have fit. penetration through the, the database. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know, it's interesting to see how satellite data, GIS data is being used in oil and gas. Um 
you know, I think the, the mineral bros, the mineral funds took advantage of it first because you could start getting ahead of um, drilling programs by seeing, oh, hey, there's pads being built around here or they're moving in drilling rigs or frat crews and things of that nature. And you start looking at asset security, integrity, like you're talking about on pipelines. And um, that's all, look at methane mitigation and detection as well. You know, I've had a lot of startups on here that are both building software platforms and the physical hardware, the sensors to measure these things, but being able to process that and then make decisions on that, like you need the right infrastructure to be able to, to, to handle all of that. And so it's a pretty cool time oh, yeah. to like, you know, be working in the energy industry one, because the energy industry is growing and becoming more dynamic. And so, um, you know, you talk about, um, like machine learning applications, you see it in EVs with autonomous driving and, and things of that nature. And so um, there's just, it seems like there's a ton of applications for machine learning and we just need the infrastructure to be able to, yeah. So for you, you know, what, what are you most excited about in what you get to do every day, except for working with Kevin Rowe? Um, I know that's probably the... <laughs> It's probably the highlight of your day. Working, it is the highlight of my like day. Kevin. I'm yes. just giving him a shout out. <laughs> Let's do. Um, but what gets you most excited about what you guys are doing and um, and what you're doing in the energy industry? You, you know, the coolest thing is just these types of things, right? I'm getting to spend time with you and, and, and kind of talking about the industry because I think that's where a lot of this starts, you know, where we are start throwing out ideas. And, and I know we're both going to walk away with something and say, hey, you know, I thought of something. Yeah, we, for we sure. Do this. <laughs> And, and it's the same thing with spending time with customers, you know, walking through where their problems are. Because, you know, you can read anybody's website with their annual reports and their ESGs. And you can find, oh, here's my most five important things in my business today, you know, and it's blah, blah, blah. And those are important. I get it. Um, but really spending time with the teams, uh, you know, on the ground or in the field and finding out, well, well these are my real pain points that, that, that can actually change the business inherently, how we make decisions or our performance or our output. And so that's the exciting part for me, spending time with those teams yeah. and, and building out those outcomes. Because most of that stuff, it doesn't take a lot. It, yeah. you know, we've got some really cool development tools on OCI. Um, as long as we can get to the data, we can clean it. It's good, clean data. Um, you know, we can build applications pretty quick. We're, we're not talking. These aren't months and weeks. These are hours you yeah. Know, yeah. Um, to where then we can figure out, yeah, that makes sense. Now let's build a process behind it or something like Very that. Cool. So that's really the cool part for me. That's yeah. And, and I got to thinking about something when you were saying about the imagery, when looking where pads are being poured. And I can remember early days when I started in the oil field, a couple of wells were being drilled in East Texas and kind of a, a wildcat area, if you yeah. will, even though it wasn't, but they would put up these big blinders on it. And it's the first time I ever really saw that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's highly secret, right? They don't want anybody to know. And I can't imagine today's world. Nothing secret, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you hide anything in today's yeah. world? But you know that that was it. They just put really tall fencing up with the yeah. uh, with the ribbons or the banners around it. Yeah, you know, so you couldn't see in. You do that now, you're calling attention to yourself. Yeah, like you it pops up easy on imagery, right? <laughs> and so. then you'll probably have all these drones flying by, looking yeah. over what's going on here. You know, so. we're recording a podcast later today. I wish uh, I wish that we scheduled these better to where y'all could actually meet each other. But David Tool from uh, Geolumina is coming on, and David David is a uh, geologist by a uh, trade, I believe, but Geolumina is uh, it's computer vision for uh, subsurface seismic, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. That would be. Deep. And so you talk about some cool machine learning, artificial intelligence uh, applications, and you know what's cool about energy is you have guys like David, you know, ten years domain expertise in his field, sees these problems, 
is familiar with these new technologies, sees what we're doing with computer vision over in um, autonomous driving and things of that nature. And it's like, oh, how can we apply this to subsurface to where um, a computer can see things and, and seismic data better than a human can Absolutely. and augment yeah. that. So very cool time uh, to, to be working in the industry. Now, if someone's listening to this episode and they want to reach out to you, one, let's talk about companies that should be reaching out to you, EMPs. Um, I know you have a couple of meetings with EMPs today. Yep. I won't drop the names. Um, um, I'm sure uh, tech companies, uh, maybe startups, maybe they need to reach out to Kevin. Yep. Um, but who who should reach out to y'all and how do they reach out to you? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're spot on. Any of the EMPs out there that's interested. I mean, it's... Uh, it's like you said, when you started the podcast, there's a lot of them probably think of Oracle as different. You know, we, we have their HR software, we have supply chain management, or, or we have database with them, but you know, hey, we're doing this cool stuff as well on Oracle cloud infrastructure. So absolutely. So that's all the boring stuff. And we're doing right. some cool stuff. Let's get the yeah. exciting stuff now. Um, and a lot of we're the not bringing on Oracle onto this podcast to talk about <laughs> HR software. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then the tech side of it. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's not my team specifically, because we do focus on a lot of the bigger, you know, enterprise type customers, but Kevin, uh, another shout out to Kevin, right? But Kevin can can help with that and we'll actually, you know, manage that through the process too. Very cool. Um, service companies too. We're doing a lot of work with service companies. Yeah, I bet. mean, because, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I visited a, a colleague of mine, I don't know, it's probably been a year ago, um, who worked, uh, he, I started at Slumberger. He was one of my managers several times. And uh, <clears throat> he was telling me, and it's just a year ago, he says, you know, Jim, the the how we used to do wireline logging has completely changed. Yeah. And, and he walked me through it and I hadn't thought about it for 20 years. I'm yeah. Like, wow. It's completely different. And not even, I mean, uh, one of my friends, uh, Andy, shout out Andy, um, Tano Brown on Twitter. is always posting videos of wireline operations. He's a, a wireline engineer and him and I used to, um, work trucks together. And over just the last few years, there's been changes in perforating technology and logging. And it's crazy how thing, how fast things evolve and, develop especially this industry sometimes you see you step back and you're like man this industry is so archaic and it takes forever <laughs> but if you actually look at it you know a lot of cool things you happen wonder. pretty pretty quickly so dude i appreciate you coming on the show and telling us about what you guys are doing if you're listening to the show and you want to reach out to jim go find him on linkedin uh also uh find kevin Rowe on linkedin he's here in houston great guy we'll leave uh we'll leave some links to their linkedins and the show notes and if you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on LinkedIn, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram. Jim, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you, Cole.